So, kia ora. It's really good to be together. Um, I loved us praying together. Because when we're together, um, Baptists always made a big thing. It was the joke, whenever two or three Baptists are together, someone will quote that Matthew verse about whenever two or three are together. That, that sense that God is present and that you can hear from more than yourself. Because on the, one of the harshest things, in, when we are locked down just to ourselves, we only see the world the way we see it. And there's something wonderful when we gather and can remind us how different um, the experiences of COVID is across the world. And when you read the stuff coming in from the media, you can see that actually we're in a radically different place. Brendan reminds us that there's been things afoot in our world raising, well, it'll come up in the sermon. So it's been great to sing together, great to be. What a strange world, eh? I mean, who would have guessed this? Um, for me, I'm a computer bit geek from way back, and, uh, and so from way, way back, uh, um, when Windows computers first came out, Mike, uh, Bill Gates reckoned that um, it was really unlikely for you to press the Alt, the Control, and the Delete key. It feels like someone pressed Alt, Control, Delete. We just had this complete reset has happened to us. And so we've been meeting together with Zoom and putting together videos and ringing and... Um, it's just really nice, nice to gather, nice to get in, out in the outdoors. One of the things that we do in, in messages is we try to read the Bible. And we've been wandering our way through the book of Exodus. And we do it because it takes us outside of ourselves because God speaks through it. And actually that reset is what happens in the book of Exodus. Is that they were slaves in a place where the system was harshly loaded against them. Um, so famously, with very little empathy, so famously that when Moses asks Pharaoh to give them a break in Exodus 5, Pharaoh's response is, ah, nah. In fact, now you can have more work. So there's, in the book of Exodus, there's this reset button being pressed. And I've been fascinated during our journey to go how many times there's similarities and I think there are similarities here. We forget how things change, but we also forget, we read the Bible sort of in patches from all over the place, and so we get the stuff that's later. This is the second book, and actually they don't know that much about God yet. So in the start of the book of Exodus, early up when they get rescued, they talk about the God who rescued us from slavery, and that's what's stuck in their head. But they still don't know a lot about God. Towards the very end, there's a couple of encounters. Moses up on Mount Sinai, um, and he gets to encounter God. He has this close encounter with God. And there's some things said that get echoed again and again and again through Scripture. So... It, it's a slightly. It's not how you or I would. If you were going to make an appointment with God, you probably wouldn't set it up the way God sets it up. Look, uh, He tells them to hide in a crack, in um, in, in some rock, and um, God's going to say, "I'm going to cover you with my hand so you can't see me, and I'm going to pass by you, and then I'll take my hand away so you can see." Um, it's usually humor at this point. My backside. You can see the back of me um, as you disappear, um, and. And when this happens, um, there is this, this voice that says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining loves to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. That is being said as the Lord passes by. Just have a look at those for a moment. 
What's that saying? The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. That's the character of the God. And this is the first time they've heard it. First time Moses has heard it. And I'd love to think that always this is the God that church is showing to people and that we as followers of Jesus are showing to people. Not always the case. When I was first a Christian, um, showing my age here, who remembers scripture and song, songs and praise? And Okay, well, I had one of these. There was a, a, a song that's based in this, but I couldn't find the right words. Okay, so I've probably got them wrong. Does anyone remember this? It goes, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and righteous. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and righteous. Anyone remember it? Did I get the words wrong? Okay, can we just do all that together? Here we go. The Lord, the Lord, our God merciful and righteous. The Lord, the Lord, our God merciful and righteous. This is what Moses hears when he has this close encounter of the God kind. And a lot of us long for that kind of God encounter. And I just, I'm just going to come back to that refrain a few times because we're starting with this, what is our God like? But we're going to veer a little bit. To be fair to Scripture, there is an additional part to the passage I've read. It says, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. So here's the hint of judgment. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And I don't know about you guys, but I go, Really? Even more so now I'm a parent, and I kind of see that play out. We forget, um, we have a negative bias, we read this and notice the harsh stuff, and we miss the compassionate grace at God, slow to anger. And we miss that actually, if you offend a God in those days, uh, it's the smite button and you're out of here. You know, it's, it's that. So even this has a hint of grace in it. Does, will not leave the guilty unpunished. So there is... There's a hint of judgment here, but it's not the whole thing. Okay. And at the very end of um, Exodus, there's this lovely bit with Moses. Well, actually, there's a bit, you know, we'll get there, that talks about where the Lord says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest, which I think is what Christians are supposed to be. Even in lockdown, my presence is with you. And that rest thing, well, I... If that's troubling to you, good. Uh, um, it's troubling to me. Okay, I won't do it again. But when I was preparing this and things were going out on the world, I, um, I suddenly started thinking, goodness, noticing something in the book of Exodus I hadn't noticed before. And I'd like to show you a cartoon. Probably you've seen it before. Oh, have we not got anything on the screen? Morgan, have you pressed number two? Okay. Let me just see if I can do something about that. Really? Okay. It, it's, it is going through. Ah, yes. Could you press the projected control? Check and see it's on. Never mind. You can't see the cartoon. I'll talk about it while the projector goes. Um, it's a cartoon of two people running a track, a kind of relay, a race kind of thing. 
And you give a thumbs up if you see a projector thing appear behind me. And, uh, and the first, there's one person, he's got a couple of hurdles to jump there, and there's another person who's got um, a, a kind of ball and chain round their um, ankle, and, um, and, despite, and then on their track there's a barbed wire. There's, yes, it's up there, awesome. So you can see, good, because I'm doing a terrible job of describing it. It's quite a harsh cartoon, and, and there's a slogan on it that says, clearly it's this guy here saying, what's the matter, it's the same distance? Okay. If you took this cartoon and applied it to the book of Exodus, what would you find? Well, at the beginning, the people of Israel are slaves in Egypt. They are the people who have this ball and chain and, and an impossible task. And there's a person there who's in power and privilege who is Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the guy who's got the easy run. He's got power, and he's using his power to get more power for himself. So they seem to be the roles, right? The Jews are the, the hard done by, yes, the slaves in Egypt, and Pharaoh's the guy in charge using privilege for himself. Where would you put Moses in this cartoon? Isaac. Oh, the finish line. Oh, that's a good suggestion. That's, a, that's an interesting suggestion, too. I, I found myself, because he's a Jew, so he, he, he would, but actually he's been raised in a royal family. So he's a man of privilege, isn't he? And in fact, the story is Moses trying to deal with his privilege, which is a little bit uncomfortable. Remember there's a bit where he, 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 he murders someone? That's where he's using his power to try and effect change, but we know that doesn't work so well. Suddenly, I started to think, gosh, the book of Exodus has something to say about racism or about isms, if you like, because there's a journey out from that. If we moved that cartoon forward, and if you're feeling uncomfortable at this stage, embrace the discomfort. Um, if we move that forward today, well, obviously, that cartoon probably is geared towards the current situation in America. And yes, it, we live in New Zealand um, where we're not actively killing um, uh, African-Americans, but where our prison rates and our pay rates and the health records and our employment records for Maori and Pacifica, they're not flash. They're not good at all. And I wonder if they would look at this cartoon and see themselves in it. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? We do have more Maori and Pacifica people in prison. They do have lower employment rates. They don't live as long. And yes, I suspect some might say they don't feel that they can breathe, but not just them. And if we're following, the, if we're following Jesus, well, what's Jesus' approach to minority groups, to, I don't know, Gentiles, Samaritans, tax collectors... Six workers. If there's the 99 sheep and the one that's lost, there's a real interest in the one that's getting a hard time, as I understand it. So if you're going to take this cartoon, just let's just forget about America for a moment and apply it to here. What are the other groups that you think, actually, they've got a pretty tough role going? Where you think the dice aren't loaded fair. Which, which groups have we got in New Zealand, do you think? Solo mums. 
Yeah. And dads, solo parents. Yeah. People with disability, majorly, yes? Oh, yeah, because you've got no resources. Yeah, people who don't have much resource to deal with things. People with mental health issues, yes? Any more that come to mind? Unemployed, and I suspect the very recently unemployed. This is a really tough time that we're heading into. I, um, I, I felt during lockdown, um, uh, it, technology has been our friend. We've been able to connect, but actually some can't. Um, and it, actually, I think it's been really hard on the elderly. I think they've been more locked down than anyone else, and um, I think that's awful. And, and you watch that at play. You know, they're phasing out checkbooks. Have you tried to read a Yellow Pages? <laughs> Our move towards technology is disempowering a whole bunch of older people. Um, I'd probably want to say, um, actually, women still you know, don't have pay parity in New Zealand. There's, there's a bunch of things there's still... I, I wondered if anyone... Um... Oh, that one's controversial, it seems. <laughs> Uh, I wondered if anyone here would say, what about Christians? Um, because I have heard people say that, although it's interesting I've had discussions on multiple levels. I, I think that may be what it looks like to many Christians, but not what it looks like to a number of people who aren't. Okay. Observation. And uh, the last one I've got in here, um, very clearly um, one of the groups that would uh, say, yep, where, where the, the, the lady running would be people who aren't straight in their sexuality. Um, they'd say, yep, it, you know, this is really tough for us. Okay, uh, just, just putting it there, in Exodus, God presses this giant reset button and leads a group of people here out of there. And we know in the story, we've seen God calls them. There is a deliverance. They learn to discover that there is enough, more than enough. And then they're asked to become God's people, to take on a character. They build a tabernacle. That's what we've covered in the last um, lockdown period. And this last one is a little bit about this encounter with God, which is where it started. And here it is, Mount Sinai. How does that look? Nice place to camp? There's no snow on it at the moment. This is where Moses sees God, and, um, and he leaves the people camped at the base of Mount Sinai. A couple of reasons. One is that earlier up, um, I think in Exodus twenty nineteen, the people say to Moses, hey, we're a bit spooked by this God. How about you be the go-between? Okay, so Moses is up. So now I just want to imagine this. Go back to when Jacinda Ardern announces lockdown. Okay. Because essentially, this is what happens, is that uh, but instead of, well, what she do? She announced, we're going to go into lockdown, yep, and then you had a daily, who tuned in at one o'clock to see what they had to say? <laughs> it was our sort of obligatory TV. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, Robin Bloomfield, what a surprising TV star. Actually, think, well, I've lost it. Yes. Um, and then apparently after these announcements, Jacinda would go and get into more informal clothes and do a Facebook Live. Did anyone see any of those? I never saw it, but oh, nice. How do you think it would be, just imagine for a moment, that she announces, we're going to level four, lockdown, everything shut down, and then you hear nothing from her for a month. 
because that's what happens. Moses goes up the hill, uh, up to the mountain. There's this encounter. We've got the Ten Commandments. And all the people down at the bottom can see is thunder and lightning for a month. How do you reckon we would have coped if that was us? Nothing from Jacinda. Yeah, we would want a new leader. We'd want to change. We'd be very unhappy. The media would go absolutely bonkers. And how would we get on in keeping our level four lockdown, do you reckon? Yeah, nah, it's not going to happen. And that is precisely what happens. So when the people saw that Moses was so long coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. He's up somewhere on that mountain, no idea, flashes of you know, light and... ah. Oh. So... Aaron goes off and collects a bunch of gold stuff and makes a golden calf. Now, before you get too harsh on the golden calf, um, the scholars I have read say he's not actually trying to create a god. They believed that the gods, um, you, you made these things and the gods sat on them. So a calf was kind of like a thing to sit on, a throne kind of stuff. That's what they think. But... Um, gosh, it doesn't take long for things to go wrong. So all the people took off all their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Gosh, they've blown it quickly, haven't it? That second commandment, that thing about not making images of God because we'll get confused, they've got confused already. And God up on the mountain is not a happy camper. God is not. And he actually talks about wiping them out and starting again with Moses all over. Just going, okay, I'm going to start again. And if you want to get an idea of how unhappy he is, well, he says, go down because your people, you, who you, this is the bit I, I does my head in, the people who, whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. Sorry, who, who brought them out of Egypt? God brought... How angry must God be at this stage? I'm uncomfortable with this God right now. I'm uncomfortable with that phrase. And if you're interested, you want to do a wee Bible study, follow through that phrase brought out of Egypt through Exodus and see how it's used. This is an angry God. And I always wondered why pick Moses. After all, Aaron's a better spokesperson. Why pick this one? And this is a moment where I think I see Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you will not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, you have, you have found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember, this nation is your people. And he goes on to say that, and you don't want other nations to turn around and say, Oh yeah, God led them out of Egypt so he could go... <laughs> And that's got a bit of nerve to be saying that to God. And God has this reply, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. The whole book of Exodus is this journey to a place where God will be present with them. The presence of God. The presence of? Join with me. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and righteous. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and righteous.
And Moses goes on. He says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? It's going to be your presence, God. That's it. So, I do think that's it. I think that Christians, those who are trying to follow Jesus, are marked by the presence of God. That God has been with you all the way through your lockdown, good or bad. God has been present in the moments when you don't know what's going on, in the moments when you think there is an absence of God, God is still with you. Yes, there's a promise that when we gather there's something else. But I kind of want to go back a little bit to that cartoon. And this is just a couple of reflections. If the Exodus story is rescuing a drown-trodden people and leading them to a place of freedom where there's presence with God, I think that story's got a lot to say to us. And if you were to look at Moses and say, here's a person with some power, with some privilege, then his use of that privilege for those who are downtrodden, that's got a lot to say to us. I think it's got a lot to say to us now. My message, I wanted to say, listen, our God is stunning, righteous, compassionate, worth knowing. I wanted to say, God has been present all this time and is present now. But I also want to say that we are always given a choice, I think, between being a pharaoh, using whatever power and privilege we have for our own benefit, or being a Moses, and using it for the benefit of those who most need it. And if we're following Jesus, we're always called to that second task. And that is uncomfortable. We are not a hugely diverse gathering of people. We have diversity here. But the only way we can become that way is if we are giving voice to people. And we're listening to each other. I think it's part of what we're called to. I think it's part of the road of freedom. I'm just about done. We're going to sing Build Your Life. Next week, there'll be a very short message and space for people to reflect on what their experience of lockdown has been. And in part, I'm asking, was there any time when you felt God present? Were there things that were tough? Were there so that we can try and listen and learn What is God saying to us? I've gone record to say, uh, listen, there's awful stuff come out of this, but when has there been a time in the world when the church has suddenly had to change like this? There was a time when the um, Romans started persecuting the church and suddenly there was mission. There was a time when we had desert fathers, crazies who went into the the desert and modelled the opposite of the culture. We haven't seen a time like this for a long time. We'd be really smart to listen. God, what have you been saying? What has the presence of God with me been saying to me in this time? I'd like to pray and can I have the music team up? God, we are grateful that you are a good God, merciful and righteous compassionate, 
that you welcome us and love us. We are grateful that you promise to be present with us, next to us in the places where we think you are most absent. And like you, we look at this world, at strong inequality, at places where things are desperately broken. And we would long to see that change. With whatever power and privilege we've got, and with our relationship with you, lead us into the pathways of where justice and mercy hold hands. Amen.